Welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined as always by Anthony Irwin. Anthony, I'm a little bummed today because I have no snappy remark to start this with. <laughs> I threw all of my dunks on you yesterday during the pressure cooker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in baseball. Like it's one of my favorite yet least favorite cliches in baseball, right? Like save some for the next game, save some mm. for the next when it, when a team scores like 15 runs yeah. and the very next game, they don't score at all. Like they just, yeah. <laughs> like, can we just even this out? Um, yeah, you, you are basically the Dodgers, uh, you know, I was in, literally going to say like twos. game three of the Dodgers and LCS is faster. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You are, you yeah. are the Dodgers. Yeah. Well, you know, at least you're comparing me to my favorite team if it is a occasionally cursed one. Um, but hey, we are here not to talk about one cursed LA franchise. We're here to talk about one that is maybe hit a turning point. I don't know how many times we said that this season. <laughs> yeah, like even Mike D'Antoni is saying, guys, calm down. You can only restart the season so many times. Like this is this is getting ridiculous. Um but it, all right, ever... let's say let's say it was a turning point. Let's just say we both believed in that, even though I don't think you and I do. Why would it be like, what, what would be the premise there? Is it just AD? I think that's a big reason. He is the second best player on this team. He proved mm-hmm. 15 months ago that he could be the best player on a title team, even if the circumstances were different during the NBA bubble. Um, it's obviously going to take some time for him to get back to that point. If he ever gets back to that point, but the defensive role that AD played yesterday makes me think that there is another level that the Lakers can reach that they have just not been able to access over the past four weeks without him, which mm-hmm. is what could potentially be a turning point. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, that there for sure would not be a turning point without AD. Correct. Right. So at least like there's at least the opportunity for one right now. I'm going to, I'm going to come out of left field with this one uh, for a change. Um, I think, I think another potential reason why if you were to, and I don't, but if you were to believe that the Lakers might be hitting a turning point here, like there was such an airing of grievances like the, over the last like week or so, there is so yeah, many delayed people. Festivus. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> Everybody was just running late for the Festivus party and, and every, you know, uh, do you think it's Festivus party? Like, do you think they call it a farty? They would have to, right? No, no, no they party. would have to. I feel like if no. that was a thing, they would have mentioned that on Seinfeld. They would have mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the farty, they, like, they were all running late. Like Rob Polinka forgot the, the booze that goes in the fruit punch. Linda Rambis forgot the fruit punch. So they're just all standing there with like empty cups. And, and, you know, I just think, there has to be some value in all of the leaks and the counter leaks and the, you know, that's a basic, that's basically tantamount to everybody basically standing in a room and saying like, all right, here's where you screwed up. Here's where I might've screwed up. Here's where you screwed up. Okay, fine. I guess LeBron saying that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) I scouted Austin Reeves and I (laughs) believed in Malik Monk. Rob, you traded for Russell Westbrook, but like, it, I don't know. I kind of wonder if it might have been productive for everybody to just get that stuff out there. Um, it, the coaching staff even said that Russ sucks in the film room. Like 
everybody out there got their little two bits, their, their, their jabs, attempts at haymakers, all of that good stuff. And, and now AD is back and everybody can kind of move forward. And, and uh, again, not saying I necessarily believe it or, or even that I believe it at all, but if you are going to, if you're, if you're looking for reasons and you're, and you're just grasping for straws, that might be a, one of the final straws you could maybe hold on to as you sink underwater. See, the problem I have with that line of thinking is that I think the Lakers took it one step too far with all of these <laughs> leaks about a Westbrook yeah. for wall trade, because oh, that yeah. is just bad optics. Like yeah. this guy. So let's just rewind for a sec with Russell Westbrook and John wall. They were traded for each other. What December of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so 13, 14 months ago, uh, with a first round pick going in the opposite direction. <laughs> so after all that has happened in the last 14 months where Russell Westbrook, you know, puts up a quasi all NBA season, at least in the second half with the wizards, John wall sits after 20 games has not played this year. And to think, Oh, now the Lakers have to attach assets to dump Russell Westbrook on John wall. That to me is just a bridge too far in what you really think of Russell Westbrook. And it's one (laughs) thing to call out his defensive effort and like, Stealthily, I would say, reduce his minutes to the point where I don't think people, most people have realized that he hasn't been playing 30 minutes in most of these games, you know, over the last seven or so. Um, you're taking the ball out of his hands, right? Like there's a lot more LeBron running the offense, a lot fewer Russ with the bench units. Um, all of those things that have happened to Russell Westbrook and, you know, the, the airing of grievances that you talked about, that's all well and good. But then to say, like, hey, we're still calling, you know, uh, what's his name, Raphael Stone, every other day trying to figure out his interest in John Wall. That to me is where I say, maybe this is not the healthy, you know, emotional catharsis that would send the season in another direction. Yeah, It is funny. Like, so I, I took it, the first report of like the first floating of Rust and Wall in a trade again, which by the way, like the analysis when it comes to Russ and Wall's contracts is like, if those guys can get traded, then any contract is tradable. Right. Um, to which I would say, well, if the only time they get traded is for each other, <laughs> then and I think they're still pretty immovable contracts. But I thought the very first time it was floated out there, it was in my opinion, and I don't want to you know, speak for Stein as far as like where he's getting his sourcing from, but it felt like a very Houstonian uh, leak you know it felt like you know it, if the lakers called and if this was something that they were thinking about doing mm-hmm. and they attached the right kind of draft compensation compensation to it then like yeah we would maybe think about it sure um and then this this most recent one that was in his uh in stein sub subsec this morning was uh well the lakers are unwilling to include their their first rounder which now seems like a, a lakers league right which is mm-hmm. but even there <laughs> like they didn't say we're not willing to do the trade <laughs> yeah like that's <laughs> we they didn't say uh they wouldn't swap russ out for a john wall who hasn't played in in a calendar year almost um that's not what they said they said that they wouldn't include the 2027 first, 
Um, and by the way, that also isn't saying we wouldn't uh, attach a second rounder to right. Russ to make it happen. Um, this was this was just, hey, that asset that they really, really want, we aren't going to give that to them. Uh, so yeah, to your point, I think if you're Russ, you're sitting here, you saw the 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 leaking of uh, how defensive he gets in in uh, film sessions. And now you're getting this where, again, like you're saying, it's it's not that they won't trade me and that they're committed to me. It's like, uh, yeah, we don't have a plan B here. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that, that's not that's not, you know, exactly not exactly a, a, a ringing endorsement. Exactly. That's that's not them like going out there, puffing out their chest and saying, no, we believe in this. It's like, no, we're freaking stuck. Like that's not that's. <laughs> That's not something that if I'm Russell Westbrook, I necessarily want to hear from my, from uh, my hometown team. Yeah. I, I feel a little bad for Russ, not because like, I mean, this is all of his own doing again. He chose to come to the Lakers. He Uh knows exactly what kind of player fits next to LeBron James. He has chosen not to be that kind of player. Uh, Do you think, do you think NBA players are that kind of aware? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You think so? Yeah. Like I, I don't think we watched LeBron for 18 seasons. Like we we mentioned this a a trillion times. Like you, (laughs) you spot up, you play defense. Like those are the things that go well around him. Uh, (laughs) I understand you're not going to convert yourself into Kyle Korver in one off season, just because you decided to come to the Lakers. Sure. Defense is more effort than that. Like it's not really um, something that you have to be like Russell has physical tools, you know, it's not like he is incapable of being a good guard defender. He just chooses not to. So a lot of the stuff is his fault, but like, God, this must suck Like to be in a situation that had so many good vibes at the start of it. And you begin the season with this catastrophic performance against the golden state warriors. And somehow it just gets worse every time out. <laughs> uh, and even on a night when like everything seems to be going well. And yes, the Nets only have James Harden, but they did beat you with James Harden, like back on Christmas and LeBron's playing great. And Malik Monk has a nice night and, you know, Lakers are up by double digits for most of the game. And now we get another report that like, Hey, the Lakers still are thinking about trading me. <laughs> like, it's just, it's unpleasant. Uh, and I can't imagine that this type of chatter is good for like a turning point as we originally suggested. Yeah. yeah I, when the more that you think about it, given the fact that the turning, like the actual turning point, getting ED, I think is the, the first step in the right direction. But if the Lakers are meaningfully going to get better, it is going to be Russ being a better version of Russ, you know, on both sides of the ball. On one side, you know, yes, he has cut down a lot of the, the outside shooting and stuff like that, but he needs to like get fined every time he takes a three pointer um, off of the, well, I just want him which, to be more of a playmaker now. I feel like which, he's just yeah. less a, active as a playmaker. Which which shots bother you more? The three-pointers in transition or the uh, the bank shots? I don't mind the bank shots. It's the pull-up threes. Yeah, I think, I th- I think I'm with you on that one. The, the three-pointers in transition, because especially they just seem to be such vibe killers. Like, there's such, there's such momentum killers where the Lakers – if you're in transition, it means you're coming off of a stop. The Lakers mm-hmm. haven't got very many of those uh, in the last couple of months. And so you're finally like, hell yeah, we got to stop. Yeah. Oh, Ross got the ball. It's you so know. quick. It's so it is. quick. 
it's so it's like yeah he knows right away this is what's gonna happen and it's the funniest part is that the rest of the lakers know too yeah the the lakers know too that bothers me most about russ is the poor clock management at the end of quarters when the lakers can clearly play for the end of the clock and he's like nah i'm gonna I'm going to go early and not just go early, go early with a terrible decision (laughs) so that the other team can come back and score. That's what really kills me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, but like, but that's like kind of our point. Right. And I think by the way, so we see it sometimes with his, with, with his teammates on the court, LeBron more than anybody will sometimes like you'll see LeBron's head just, you know, when, when, when uh, Russ takes one of those transition threes or one of those end of quarter moments, um, you'll see it with like the, with the coaching staff too, is always kind of fun to watch. Cause they're just like, are you going to, is it my turn? <laughs> I, I have to this time. You, are you sure you did it last time? Um, and then it's like and the then, possession arrow on the, the Lakers coaching staff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, occasionally Mike Penberley just disappears. Like he just <laughs> runs off to Instagram and, and like, um, you, you just, you, you see this, I, I think one leads to another, the late, the leaks that the Lakers have, have made available, um, uh, regarding Russell Westbrook, um, is after them reaching that breaking point. And, you know, that's why I asked if you think stars are that kind of aware or self-aware where, you know, if you're Russ and you're getting all these leaks about you and, the leaks on the trade market. And, you know, Aaron always says like all these guys read a lot of the stuff uh, with their name in the headline. And so or at least they have re- people who are reading it to them or like, right. It right. Yeah. And like, I, I think Russ might be somewhat unique in, in he might care less than most. He might be more confident than most off of the court, but then you kind of watch the way that he plays and the yips that he's kind of developed around the court uh, or on the rim. And you're like, no, actually, this stuff might actually be getting to him. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you talk about when, when, when we when the concept of turning points and that becomes a, a talking point, like that's the concern here is, all right, here's the momentum. The Lakers got the stop. Here's Anthony Davis coming back. Now it's up to Russ to not take that transition three pointer and actually do what's best for the team. here. Yeah, it's. It's interesting because when they acquired Russ, I thought that one of the the pros would be like that Friday game in Orlando where Russell can just sort of blow past an inferior team and do his thing and they're not going to be able to stop him because they're an ill-prepared opponent and mm-hmm. he'll be able to carry the Lakers against a, you know, a team that's 9 and 39 so far and he just hasn't had very many of like these moments you can point to of like that was a Russ game. Like, or if he has, they've just been overshadowed by all of the other things happening with the Lakers, you know, over the past few months. And I want to say that there's like more good that he can do. It's just, I don't want to set myself up for failure here. (laughs) Yeah. Like you mentioned the yips that that's what's so interesting to me is because I'm looking at his turnover totals for the past few games. And like, he had five against the nets last night, which almost makes me think he was trying harder, but I'm thinking about some of the turnovers and like, I can vividly remember one at the end of the second quarter where he just like lobs it into no man's land and Harden comes back for a layup in like two seconds. And it's, yeah, I don't want him doing more of that, but like the creativity tax has to come back at some point, right? Like he has to 
he yeah. doesn't feel like Russ right now. He feels like a, a muted version of him. And I don't think that's necessarily better for the Lakers because, you know, they brought him in for his specific passing strengths and playmaking strengths and transition and all that. And he, if he's going to be a, like diminished version of himself, then what's the point, right? Like if he's going to yeah. make mistakes, great. As long as you get the other good stuff, it's just, it, it's a really, really weird experience right do, now. Do you think he would be, I'm trying to find a way to phrase this that doesn't sound too like psychoanalysis like, but like, do you think the fact that this is the Lakers and that it is Russ's like hometown team? And uh, this is, you know, like, even if as you grow up, you know, eventually fandom changes and it matures and all of these things, but, but still like you're, you're still going to be kind of a fan. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. like for Russ putting on that Jersey for the first time had to feel really cool stepping on, to Staples Center Court for uh, the first time had to be really, really cool for him. Um, unfortunately, it was dashed immediately. And 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 like for for Russ and the way that he's approaching this season right now, and and the attempt to to limit the the creativity, even if it means or, or for the sake of the for getting rid of the creativity tax, right? Like if he's trying all of these things. Do you think to a certain extent, like playing for the Lakers makes it tougher? Like, do you think it'd be easier for Russ if he was having this season in like Brooklyn or something like that, where he doesn't have that emotional tie back to the organization, to the city? So he, he basically had this first half of the season in Washington and Houston, right? Yeah. Like it was, it was a lot of the same beats where uh, he wasn't shooting very efficiently and his turnovers were driving the team nuts. And you could see a very strong dichotomy of like, Oh, when Harden plays with that rust, the Rockets look really good when Russ plays with that Harden. It's when the world is happening. When Beal mm-hmm. plays with that rust, the wizards look really good when Russ plays with that Beal again, problems. So it's not like he hasn't been in this situation before and problem is we're past the halfway point, right? Yeah. And the turn has to come sooner than later for me to believe in it. Like we've, we've all seen the meme, right? <laughs> like yeah. we're, we're in the January it's the O point and I, it's, yeah. it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, I, I don't know about the LA thing. Like Russ is just seems to me that he's wired. I don't want to say differently. I, that word just gets used so much, but like, yeah. he's just like a bit of a, a nuttier star than most of the guys in the NBA. Um, yeah. Like the way he interacts with players and the media and all that. Like, I mean, he's the guy who said he only has one friend on the court and that's Spalding. And he's just, he's like a, a really weird dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't really know about the Lager thing. I, He's, he's 33 years old, right? Like you think at some point he gets past that, but it's an interesting point because it's, it's the Lakers, right? Like it's not yeah. even just the Lakers. Like he played against the Lakers and Kobe was on the Lakers. Like that means something to him. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also like, it's not just like if some, if some, if, if like Russ played for the Knicks, right. Or yeah, the Knicks, I think is a better, is a better example of like, oh my God, I'm playing in the Mecca quote unquote mecca air quotes around the mecca because i think it's a stupid thing playing but, at msg <laughs> yeah i'm playing at msg you know i'm playing in the house that other teams built and and like i'm playing in 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 you know this the the this place that basketball means so much more in this grand market and all these things um you know would he being approaching this like w- would he approach that very differently or would it would it have the same kind of sentimental value that man this is the lakers 
And this is the Lakers that, as, and I say this as a SoCal kid, this is the Lakers, you know, mm-hmm. like would, would, you know, if, if the Lakers brought in John Wall and he struggled like this playing for the Lakers, would the lack of that sentimental value actually be a benefit for, for Wall as he tries to figure it out? Cause you know, sometimes I watch Russ and I don't know. I never get the sense watching Russ that it's apathy. His issue with, 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 <laughs> basketball is apathy I, now he it, I, feels <laughs> yes like everything everything feels kind of make or break for him and like that dunk that he had over gobert right that felt like the you know all of the demons were to quote uh eminem right all the demons were doing jump jumping jacks around him it was just it was just you felt that moment he was just and it happened at staples center and 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 you could see the 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 emotion just like just palpably uh, almost like a, like it was just, it was just a grand F you like to the mm-hmm. season. It was just wrestling F you to the season. And, and I kind of wonder if, you know, and that's why I thought then maybe that was a turning point for Russ specifically. Cause like he finally finished a dunk given his rim uh, statistics and stuff like that. And, 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 and he hasn't been able to get out and show the athleticism that everybody kind of knows him for. And, you know, I don't know. I, I could see it. I'm not saying it is definitively. I could see the fact that he's struggling like this for the team that he grew up rooting for um, as, as that much more difficult. There's like one extra, you know, piece of straw on the camel's back here. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I, for one, would like a great Lakers win to not be followed by a news dump the next day. I can't wait for the trade. Nice to just win a game and then, you know, get to bask in the glory of a win for a few hours at the very least. It's funny when you said you were going to go into left field and pick a potential turning point. I did not think that that's what you were going to bring up at all. I literally uh-huh. thought you were going to say the Lakers signed Stanley Johnson to a two-year deal. <laughs> and that was the turning point. That's more like, like center field. I think that's, <laughs> you know, it's like from the outfield, but it's not like completely way out there. But, but I, I do think, I do think um, like bringing Stanley back is, is a, is a big deal here. Cause it signals the Lakers basically committing to this guy, even though they weren't able to move DeAndre and they weren't able to move Kent Baseball. Yeah. It's nice to see the front office exhibit some basic competency where <laughs> like, this is a player who has been key to the style of play that has been most successful for you over the last three weeks. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't ensure the maximum amount of financial flexibility over the next couple of weeks, but it's just so much more important to have uh, the the Trevor Ariza that was supposed to be, you know, the, the base of all of your good lineups. <laughs> like yeah. you found him. It's not the guy we thought it was going to be. It's actually Stanley Johnson. Um, and to commit to that. And like, it's a smart piece of business where you get him in the door for next year as well. Mm-hmm. Like this is, I don't know. It's nice to celebrate like a win for the front office. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's no, there's no, yeah, but here. Yeah. You know, that, especially by the way, like they sign him the game after he starts, right. He was inserted into the starting lineup for Trevor Ariza, um, which, you know, is just, it's, it's actually momentum. It's actually 
holy crap, they did that right. And then they followed it up with this. Um, let's see where, where things go from here. Yeah, I, I Stanley Johnson, look, I, I understand why other fan bases that he played for, right? I've seen a lot of Pistons fans kind of rolling their eyes at Lakers fans being really happy. Raptors uh, fans, about, yeah. Yeah, Raptors fans are saying like, oh, yeah, he's going to fool you too. Um, and maybe that's how this plays out. But the Lakers are so desperate for any kind of wing depth that the bar mm-hmm. is like on the other, like it's, I, it, I don't even know where the bar would be. It's like unlimboable. <laughs> yeah, like it's, 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 I, I'm sitting on the bar, you know, like it, it's, <laughs> Some somebody, you know, Avery could could clear this bar. Um, and and like so with with Johnson and with what he adds to things at the Lakers, just I, I watch poor Ariza play and I, I like Ariza. I have always liked Ariza. Um, I was rooting hard for him to not be washed this season. And like maybe there's a circumstance here where he isn't washed, like. I think he was already on his way to being washed. The, this, this, like this, like last year, I think could have been like his last season or really close to his last season. And then the foot thing, and then that needing surgery and trying to recover from, from a foot surgery is just too much, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like it, had he not had that foot surgery, I could maybe see the Lakers not looking as ridiculous as they look right now when they say, yeah, this guy was the linchpin to all of our offseason plans. Um, like it, it, once, once the foot surgery thing happened, I, you know, that's when I really started turning it up to, to 11 saying, please go get a wing. I don't care who the wing is. Wes was sitting there at, at, at the time, uh, mm-hmm. which has been a really weird experience watching him be somewhat useful in, in Milwaukee. I think the Lakers um, just didn't like him maybe uh i don't even know why like he was out there like saying yeah i can't wait to run it back and the lakers like go bleep to be fair he was not very good last year sure but like when you talk about lebron you know kicking out for shots and expecting his shooters to make them yeah this was like right atop the list of guys who were just clanging guys who were not and i get it i get it but he was still better last year than Ariza has been this year (laughs) (laughs) so like he's also um, shorter than Ariza. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, sure. Like if the Lakers were holding out for a player, like I think Stanley Johnson has like three inches on Wes, right? Wes is only like six, four, six, five. I think yeah, I think six, four tops. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, Johnson's like six, 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 seven mm-hmm. around there. Um, and that really matters that, 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 that really matters in, in basketball, especially when Johnson is, uh, you know, bigger and the better athlete, you know, that is that is it, this is a a a a absolutely solid move here from from the front office, and it's one that you know I don't think it's a turning point kind of a thing, but it that kind of commitment coming off of inserting him into the starting lineup, and like when Ariza came back and he started seeding minutes, Johnson started seeding minutes to Ariza. That's when I started going like, oh man, they might not, they might screw this up, and so like not. <laughs> Not screwing it up is is something that I'm I'm going to sit here and 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 applaud him for. Yeah, maybe not signing Stanley Johnson as the turning point, but not starting Trevor Ariza and not playing Trevor Ariza. You know, yeah. just removing one more old frail body from the rotation. Like that's minor turning point for the Lakers because you know they they got another one in the starting lineup who could probably stand to go right now. <laughs> yeah, I. 
what's nice though too about about Johnson and committing to Johnson like this is all right, Ariza, just go over there and run like in a way that you couldn't when you were rehabbing and stuff. Like you just go and do whatever you have to to get your body more ready than it was when we when we brought you back when we brought you. Um, like the before Johnson, the way that Ariza would have had to do that would have been on the court. Yeah. And the Lakers were getting killed in those minutes that he was on the court. So, you know, I, I think the anticipation right now is that the Lakers are going to wait to sign him on Thursday. Right. Uh, his contract ends today. So they're going to wait to do it tomorrow. Um, and I, I guess the wait would be to ser- save like, what would it be like? 15,000 in, in, in luxury taxes, I guess. Oh, I like, just assume it's because he's still under contract today on from, the 10 day. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've always wondered like, does it, is it, is it like to the hour? So like if you sign a 10 day contract on noon, 10 days ago, is mm, it like 9am this noon. morning Got it. or is mm. it noon? Like later? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Regard like the Lakers not getting, are not practicing not today, anywhere. so it's fine. Like they don't technically yeah. need him under contract. Right. Right. And so I, I just I, I'm just so used to like looking at everything through the, the the financial prism that like I'm just sitting here wondering. All right, so a prorated amount of one day on <laughs> under your contract is like probably like three thousand bucks or so. And so if it's, you're saying it's just nice to show an investment <laughs> in younger players because the Lakers have uh, given up on a lot of younger players in recent yes. years. Uh, you know, this is not a homegrown talent by any means. This is his first month on the Lakers, but he is from LA. It's like a nice yeah. story at the very least. And in fairness to Ariza, I'm sure it would have been much easier for him to get his sea legs if the five behind him were Anthony Davis, not Dwight Howard. So yeah, hopefully he gets some opportunities to play with AD because I think it'll make him look better. Yeah. Well, I, I guess like my, this was this, that was my like long rambling way of saying like, I'm not giving up on Ariza quite yet. You know, mm-hmm. he's looked bad and yeah, he might just be washed and that's it. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not like when, when they, when we hear about them trying to open up another roster spot or going through options to before they signed Johnson, to have another roster spot available right now, they have 15 guys on their roster. If somebody comes available, they would have to wave somebody outright to be able to sign that player. Um, I don't think that player there's like three guys before I arrive at fine wave Ariza. You know, I get rid of Deandre. I get rid of even Bazemore. I get rid of Ellington. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, if I absolutely have to, I would dump Avery Bradley. Oh yeah, no, that's. I said that on the lowdown. That's an interesting question. Yeah, Yeah, like, do you? I made the point last night that I think there's an argument to be made that the Lakers might be better off without Avery Bradley because then Frank has to start one of Reeves or Monk. Has has no choice. What do you think? I just think of all of the things that have been thrown at Frank Vogel this season. Just let him be happy and have Avery Bradley. Like, it's okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. (laughs) Just let him have one thing, you know? Traded Caruso. I'm not trading Caruso. Like Caruso walking free agency, you know, gave away all of the defensive perimeter players. Um, Just just let him have the one thing. The one thing. It reminds me of... um... Not to to infantilize uh, Frank Vogel here, but like 
So last night we went out to dinner with, um, we, we went out, Jen, Avery, and I all went out to dinner and there's this, um, it's kind of like a Benihana. It's called Kobe actually is, is Mm -hmm. the name of the restaurant. And, um, and so like we get there and Avery immediately starts reaching for everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And whether it's our water, the chopsticks, the, 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 thing that they cook on which might still yeah. be hot we don't know yeah um and so like we take everything away from her and the thing that like sets her off is the is like the 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 soy sauce thing the thing of okay. as you hear her in the background losing her mind um <laughs> the thing that like set her off was the soy sauce thing and it was just you could see with her it was oh come on you know like, <laughs> like you took everything else away you can't give me one thing and I feel like that would be Frank this season with Avery. <laughs> I've dealt with the stupid rumors about my, I dealt with your stupid extension. It's not really. I had to start DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> I had to start DeAndre Jordan because Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. I have to deal with whether or not beating the Utah Jazz was enough to save my job. Like on top of all of that, the thing that you're going to do now do is take away my blankie. You're going to take away Avery Bradley. Um, and And you know what? I get it, Frank. I get it. Yeah. Uh, I, I get it. I, however, I would take away the blanket. <laughs> 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 Me personally, I would take away the blanket. Yeah. You know, I, I'm okay with it. Uh, Avery Bradley really annoys me at times, but I don't know that Reeves or Monk is ready to be playing starter minutes. And like they both played more than half the game last night. Mm-hmm. So like the, the distributions are working out. Okay. I like when they share the court together and you're clearly not going to start both of them. Mm-hmm. So bring them in together off the bench. I'm, I'm okay. with it. My only, my only, and this is like, you know, I feel like I'm hosting locked on again with Pete because he would make that same kind of argument. Ironically. Also, I think with, with um, Avery Bradley or might've been with KCP, I forget, but I was always on team start. Caruso. It must have been with Bradley because, yeah. uh, you know, he was starting as the point guard before they went to the bubble. Right. Um, I was always on get Caruso out there, get your five best because the lineup that you're going to wind up using the most consistently is your starting lineup. It's not, mm-hmm. I always, I always kind of push back against the whole, it doesn't really matter who starts the game, but what matters is who ends the game. It's like, right. well, the circumstances under which you're ending that game might have been affected a by lot. who started the game. So, so like, I, I don't think it's necessarily that simple and more often than not, like your, your, your starting unit is probably going to get used like two or three times more than the second. Any other most. Unit, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, for me, I would, I, that's why I do say, yeah, get, get Avery Bradley out of the starting lineup, get Monk in there earlier. And then Bradley can be, he can play 10, 15 minutes here and there if you have to, um, you know, I, you, you play Monk, his kind of 26, 27 minutes. You play Reeves, his 26, 27 minutes. And then whatever change is left over, like you can hand that over to, to Avery Bradley. And, and I think that's when, because we're right now what we're talking about is still a Lakers team that doesn't have much margin, margin for error. And if you're messing around with, you know, the first couple minutes of every half, right. sometimes even the, the last few minutes of the first half, um, and, and you're just consistently giving away runs in those, in those minutes, like the, this team isn't talented enough 
to make up for that consistently or as consistently as the last couple iterations of the Lakers have been. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I do think Reeves probably makes more sense than Monk just because can you, can you afford to take the ball out of Russell Westbrook's hands even more than you already have? Uh, just putting mm-hmm. another off ball player next to him probably makes a little bit more sense. Cause Monk, mm-hmm. I think is at his best when he's doing some ball handling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, you're, I'm, I'm you're, fine with that. You're absolutely right. Like the, the end of the second quarter is really where I wish that Frank would just not go back to the starting lineup. Cause for some reason that is always a really bad stretch for the Lakers. <laughs> I know the third quarter Lakers has been a thing like since the start of the season, it's that end of the second. It's like, it just trickles yeah. into halftime where like they've built this double digit lead and you think things are going great. And then at halftime, they're like, they're up six maybe. Yeah. And things feel a little bit more tenuous than they need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I still think we should keep Avery Bradley on the team. I stand by that. We'll see. Are right, that would be him or Trevor Reza, I, I would dump. I would dump Trevor Reza. <laughs> see, I don't know. I think I would dump. I think I would dump Bradley. I think I would dump Bradley over Ariza because we've already well, seen Frank capable of moving off of Ariza. Mm-hmm. We have not yet seen Frank move off of Avery Bradley. Yeah, literally, so. it took Avery Bradley leaving the team, and even <laughs> for then, him to stop getting minutes. <laughs> Do you think Frank showed up with like signs outside Avery's house <laughs> after the bubble? <laughs> No, like right at right, right when the leaks, yeah, right, right before the like when the leaks came out that Bradley wasn't going to make the trip. Yeah. Do you think Frank was there with like the boombox and yeah. the signs, <laughs> Avery? <laughs> yeah, I'm just a I'm just a coach standing in front of a shooting guard. <laughs> I never thought Avery Bradley would mean this much to the Lakers after he opted out of the bubble. I thought we were done with it. I thought it was over. Me too. I thought Dwight was going to opt out of the bubble. We'd be done with him too, but <laughs> things have a way of uh, coming back. Well, Rob Palenka only watches Lakers games. So only watches Lakers. like that's, 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 the, that's the predicament you find yourself in when yeah, your GM those, doesn't those scout. trade deadline audition games. Like they, they really matter. <laughs> Who do the Lakers play coming up next? Uh, who has a chance? To... Okay. So the... Well, I mean, they don't have the salary to take on Tobias Harris, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> I came up with some trade uh, earlier today that it was like a four-teamer of, gosh, I'd have to find it again. It was a four-teamer that would have landed the Lakers, Ben Simmons, and Buddy Heald, and I would have solved everything. It just required Sacramento just like forgetting <laughs> all of their intentions. I'm sure Sacramento has a hard enough time making deals with the Lakers because of the two thousands. And then you tack on the buddy healed <laughs> embarrassment. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a reason why they just hold on to Damian Jones for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> Buy him out. You we'll never ever let him go. <laughs> That's the one win they have over the Lakers. That's it. The Lakers will have waived three players to accommodate buyouts at the trade deadline. And like, it'll come down to, you can wave Avery Bradley and then we'll pick up Damian Jones. Like that's what it's going to come down to. <laughs> oh my God. That's how <laughs> this is going to go. It, the, the difference here between picking up Damian Jones and not is going to be whether or not they can let Avery Bradley go. And I'm just going to sit here. I don't think and, Frank would do it. I don't think he'd do it. <laughs> I'd weep on the podcast. <laughs> You would get insane ratings if you weeped on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it would we'd have to change it it would be for, instead of the lowdown it'd be like i, I anthony irwin is down low he's the down breakdown. bad <laughs> yeah yes the breakdown <laughs> <laughs> I went from breaking down the Lakers to breaking down because Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a fine line, truly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the Lakers are in Philly tomorrow. Um, I'm sure that they will start on an excellent note, given that they have achieved a turning point in their season. And I look forward to seeing how Anthony Davis holds up against Joel Embiid. Because if there were ever a game where Frank Vogel Besides to put Dwight Howard in the starting lineup, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually my prediction in the lowdown. I think I think Dwight starts. In place and, of Stanley? Uh, I hope not. I mean, you can't go that big with LeBron at the two. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess Johnson would be functioning as the two. But, but yeah, it's yeah. probably it'll probably be in, in, in place of Johnson, and everybody's going to lose their mind. And the Lakers will start down by, like, 12 points and, and Howard will have four fouls. The theory of Dwight still intrigues me. It's just, I've seen that actualized maybe one game this entire yeah. season. And it was like <laughs> on the second half in Sacramento, like that was the only time Yeah, when he wasn't supposed to play that night. And Deandre Jordan was so bad. They're like, no, <laughs> this <laughs> is the like, time. I feel like, like Frank is one of my buddies back in like high school and college who like, have this perception of their girlfriend or their ex-girlfriend who I had to constantly remind them no. the practice of that girlfriend <laughs> is very, very different from your theory it's of that. In two years, man. Remember all the shit she's pulled since then. <laughs> Poor Billy over there is still walking with a limp because of her tirade on the golf course. Oh, yeah, man, man. <laughs> it's hard not to live in the past. This is a problem that the Lakers have been dealing with for decades really decades yeah so that's where we are uh thank you all for listening to our show make sure you're subscribed to the celebration roll podcast for talk about the lakers twice a day every day of the week and we'll be back next wednesday